Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello everyone and welcome to The Bubbling Adventure, a podcast all about kids and how positive education and conscious parenting can impact their entire life as well as society. Each week, we are having conversations with guests on different themes, and our aim is to have open discussions, share different points of view, and learn in a non-judgmental way. Obviously, given the current climate, homeschooling is a hot topic right now, and I really empathize with all the parents out there who have to balance their professional and personal life in addition to their children's education in the midst of a global pandemic. Today, we are welcoming Nina Palmo, who is a sociology teacher, and she has also been homeschooling her kids for years now. So she has great tips and advice on how she does it on a daily basis. The best way to support this podcast is to subscribe if you haven't already and write a review if you're listening from Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at The Bubbling Adventure for daily positive education content. But without further ado, let's begin. Papa, papa, en faisant cette chanson. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? Good. Thank you. And thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Could you please introduce yourself? Sure, sure. Uh, my name is Nina Palmo, and I live in the Austin, Texas area with my husband and our two daughters who are now nine and seven years old. And I'm a sociologist and I teach full time at a university and I also homeschool my kids. So both personally and professionally, I'm interested in education and child and family well-being. And I've been lucky enough to find a way, found a way to pursue those topics uh, in a number of ways, uh, including writing about them on my blog, uh, Raising Wildflower Kids. Mm, nice. Yes. And so what brought you to be a teacher in the first place? Sure. Uh, well, I never really set out to be a teacher per se. I, I went to grad school to learn more about the topics that I was interested in. But once I was there, I found that what I really loved most about my time at the university was teaching and being able to plan out my classes and having a chance to connect with students. And so that's the route I've really taken with my career is the emphasis on teaching. And then once I had my kids, it brought in a whole new element. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. Yeah, it must be also helpful, right, to have gone through this path and then be able to provide classes because it's definitely a task that 
you need to to work on it's not given <laughs> sure exactly <laughs> and so do you specialize in any part of sociology or is it i started out specializing in family sociology and i really have a strong interest in families still but more recently i've been teaching a lot of health related classes and i really am interested in both topics and i think the well-being is really tied up with health And so um, kind of a combination of both of those two interests is really where, where a lot of my interests lie. Yes. No, it's very interesting. And again, it must be helpful at home as well, uh, because you've been homeschooling your daughters for years now. So could you please tell us a little bit, you know, what was the thought at the beginning, you know, sure. the decision, why? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So we're what's now known as a pre-COVID homeschooler. Um, and so I had never I had never set out to homeschool my kids. I thought that maybe once I had my first baby, maybe I would take six months off and then she'd be in full time daycare and we would be um, doing the standard daycare and school and all of that. We even had bought a house that was within walking distance to the local elementary school. So I thought we were all set. Mm -hmm. Of course, most people who are parents know that things rarely go exactly as planned. And so we started to think about alternative education, probably as her enrollment in school was approaching. Um, my oldest daughter, she's now nine. So she had gone to a lovely preschool that was very play-based. They had tons of outdoor time. She had a great time there. And it was really difficult for me to think about sending her to envir an environment that was based on sitting mostly at a desk, being inside all day, just really being the indoors, the lack of activity. I didn't think she would really thrive in that environment. And so that's when we started to look for other options. Um, in the meantime, we had actually been hosting uh, an au pair for childcare. Um, the year before she attended, she would have been enrolling in kindergarten. And so, um, you know, things were going really well. She was learning, she was happy. And so we thought, you know, why not just kind of continue what we're doing and homeschool, even though, you know, it wasn't, nothing really changed from the time she was four to the time she was five. It's just all of a sudden we were technically homeschooling, even though we were still just living our lives, playing outside, reading books together, that kind of thing. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. And so do you have a specific program to follow? How does it work? You know, do you have like, um, I don't know, time slots and lessons? How do you share all of that? Yeah, so we, we really don't. We're much more relaxed homeschoolers. In fact, when we first started out in those early childhood years, I would have classified us as unschoolers, meaning it's just child-led learning. The kids learn what they want to. Uh, there's no curriculum at all. Um, now that they're a little bit older, we do have um, a math curriculum that they use um, because my goal is for the kids to be able to succeed in any environment that they choose to enter. So if they chose to go to a public school or maybe a private school, I would want them to feel like, hey, I could jump in here and do as well as any other kid. Um, so I do want them to be kind of prepared more or less for that type of an, an environment should they choose to enter. But I also really want them to have a lot of freedom and flexibility to pursue their own interests and really just have a childhood, be able to play with other kids, build a strong sibling bond, um, just have fun and, and pursue their own interests. And so I found that um, having a curriculum really isn't, hasn't been necessary for us to meet those goals. Um, some people really like to use a curriculum and I think it can be a great option, but I also don't think it's a necessity. Mm, okay, interesting, yes. And so obviously you're working 
So how how does it work? I don't know. I think for a lot of people is you know what can I have my kids do once I'm at work so that it's safe, but also you have you know some quiet time or. Yeah, it's a great question because it, it can be a challenge. So we've had a number of different work-life arrangements over the years. And as I mentioned, um, we have been lucky enough to host au pairs for many of the years that our kids have been young, which has been great because then the times when my husband and I are both at work, the au pair is here to hang out with the kids and can take them to the park and the library. Mm-hmm. We've also always had them enrolled in different programs like homeschool enrichment programs or um forest school or various programs that we can use for drop-off and those work for childcare as well as for enrichment. Of course, now with COVID, we're in the same position as many other people in that all of those programs are pretty much canceled. We're all home together all the time. Um, we're not hosting a no pair right now either. Mm-hmm. So um, that does, you know, if, if you're somebody who's thinking about homeschooling, you know, this is, it is a challenging time to, to do that. Um, so, I've been, we've been lucky enough that we have reasonably flexible jobs. So I I teach and I'm online teaching kind of Tuesday and Thursday on and off all day. But on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I have a lot more control over my schedule. So um, what we do is kind of trade off. So my husband can be kind of the key person who's on for the kids on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then it's me on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, we also have one other family who we're in a quarantine pod with, and that's been really helpful. So we sometimes, um, either send, they have two kids, we have two kids. So on occasion, all four kids go to their house or all four kids go to our house. Or if we feel like the siblings really need to break from each other, then we'll kind of split them up and have the two oldest kids at one person's house, the two mm-hmm. youngest kids at another person's house, and the siblings get a little bit of a break from each other. So if if people are thinking about how to make this all work and they live in an area where it's safe to have a quarantine pod or to have some minimal interactions with other households, then I think it's a great option to partner with another family who's in a similar position and you know, just try to get together for, for childcare and let the kids play and, um, and sort of just let the kids see somebody other than their sibling. It'll help their relationship. Mm-hmm. I think that's really helpful too. Um, I also really am not a believer that I need to provide activities or entertainment for my kids all the time. Um, they, they're old enough now. I think if they were, if we were talking about a one-year-old and a three-year-old, it would be a very, <laughs> a very different situation. They just need so much supervision and you can't leave them to their own devices. Um, but for my kids who are nine and seven, you know, they come up with all sorts of activities to do on their own. Um, they're always, you know, putting together like little plays or, you know, they still play with their stuffed animals or they make magnetile creations. They're always producing art, you know, sometimes they argue uh, and then we have a chance to practice conflict resolution. So there's, there's lots of stuff that they do on their own. Um, I like to think of it as child-led learning or self-directed learning. And I'm not really there to, to provide all of the activities there. You know, they, that's, that's mostly their job. Mm, I like that. Yeah, it's nice because also they get to get creative and just come up with a game out of, you know, nothing. I think that sometimes that's the, the best thing. So yeah, very interesting. And so how has the experience been so far? So both for you and your husband and also for the kids? Did you notice any, you know, changes, positive, negatives, things like that? 
Yeah, we're kind of always homeschooled really from their perspective, although we have also had um, some years where they were enrolled in part-time programs. Um, So from their perspective, not really that much has changed at any point in their life. Of course, things are a little bit closer to home now with kind of the COVID shutdown of everything. But I think my, my main goal has been to make sure nothing really changes because they were born with this great enthusiasm and love of learning and they bring so much joy and excitement to everything that they do. And so my goal has really been to try to make sure that doesn't change, that they really maintain that curiosity and love of learning. And I think we've been, you know, every day isn't all, you know, rainbows, but I think for the most part, they really have maintained that kind of zest for life that I love to see in kids. Mm, that's yeah that sounds so good it's i think a goal for all parents it's amazing to have managed to do that and so for you and your husband what does it mean how because it probably changed your family dynamic as well and your organization so i don't know how you how do you manage all of that basically so how do we manage kind of our day-to-day or Mm -hmm. you said you don't want to like impose activities and things like that but i guess even you know find themes to teach or you know yeah so i think like i said i really do want the kids to feel like they can succeed in in any environment that they choose to enter and i think in order for that to happen it's kind of a you need a back to basics approach um, or at least that's kind of what i use where it comes back down to kind of reading writing arithmetic and so i do like to make sure that those bases are covered more or less um, and i can talk about kind of how we approach those basics next um, but outside of that and it doesn't really have to take very much time each day but outside of that it's really just all about pursuing their own interests and so my kids always have things that they're interested in learning more about. So right now, um, my nine-year-old really, um, she has a couple of friends and their plan is to have a farm when they grow up. So they're always reading up on farming and animal care and creating elaborate drawings of what the farm is going to look like and learning about how to take care of pigs or, you know, growing crops. Mm-hmm. And so that takes up a lot of their time is just planning out how to do this farm. Now, will they have a farm when they actually grow up? You know, I don't know, but they're learning a lot in the meantime about just how to create a plan, how to put together components to make something happen, uh, not to mention all these facts about farming. So then we can find ways to kind of bring that in. So with my nine-year-old, we're reading The Omnivore's Dilemma by Michael Pollan, the young reader edition. So learning a little bit about kind of the science and the business of farming. And so we, we're always checking out books from the library and you know, she reads them, some we read together. So... So that's really where most of the activities come from is that they're driven by their own interests. Mm, that's nice, yes. And so they don't have sort of like a different schedule or do they spend some time apart doing their own thing or is it just how they feel on that day? We really don't have a schedule. Um, I think that it's probably comes down to your personality. And for me, it's just, I'm not that rigid of a person. I think it would be too stressful for me to be like, okay, it's one, now we have to do this. It's two, now we have to do this. Um, I know it works for, for some people and it really depends on kind of how, how you prefer to run things in your own household. Um, but for us, yeah, our days are a lot more free flowing than that. So Um, Like I was saying kind of about about the back to basics approach to academics, my kids do have a a math curriculum that we follow. So they do like a couple pages out of a math workbook every day. It takes maybe about 20 minutes. And then I also want to make sure that 
you know, we're reading, but that's kind of something they, they just love to read. So that's kind of taken care of itself. Um, and then also writing is something that we have a little program um, that my nine-year-old does about once a week. Just, it's kind of fun. It's an online interactive tool that she uses for writing. So I kind of loosely make sure that some of that's happening, that they do their math every day. Um, we read a little bit every day and then the writing is something that's happening on a regular basis. But as long as those things are done, then they really just use their time however they want. And, you know, we, we throw some food at them for lunch and uh, <laughs> that's really the only kind of scheduled activity in the day. So, yeah, it's really free flowing. Yeah, I mean, it's good. But so since it's very flowing, do you have sort of, I don't want to say boundaries, but do you have a difference between, you know, the teaching time and the family time, for example, at night or in the morning? Or do they just carry on reading or how does, you know, how does it work? Yeah, they really don't. They really don't have a distinction between school and non-school time. Um, I guess with the exception of like the math. So, you know, if it's like a holiday or if it's a vacation day, then, you know, we don't bring our, our math with us. Um, but outside of that, yeah, it's all, all days, all the time. They're all for living and learning and we don't really make a big distinction between the two. So anything that you're, you're working on, um, you know, it could be just for fun or it could be something that you're you know, learning, it's, it's all the same thing to us. I suppose the exception might be, um, you know, we do the, the screen time thing. I know a lot of people ask about that is how, how do you deal with screen time? Mm. And so, you know, I suppose if they're just sort of watching, um, I know some, some TV shows are very educational, some games are also very educational. Um, so we do have sort of a, a structure around that and that we, we try to save our our computer screen iPad time for kind of later in the day. So loosely after 4 p.m. or so. So that way they have the whole day to work on projects in the tangible world. And then in the evenings, if they want to get online with friends that they're not seeing in person right now, or, you know, play Minecraft or, um, you know, watch, watch a show or something, then they can do that. So I, I think that's kind of the only maybe distinction or structure that we have is that we do keep most of the day for playing in kind of the so-called real world and then the online world is is more of an evening activity mm, makes sense because i know that sadly for a lot of uh, new homeschooled kids because they have to follow the course on zoom all day it just increases the screen time by like hours per day and it's for school but Obviously, it really surely it has also a negative impact on just being attached to a screen all day. And yeah, so. Hmm. I think so. I, mean, I do know I do know a few families who really love their online school and who it's working well for. Um, and my nine-year-old also does a you know, once a week, like hour, hour and a half Zoom call with her homeschool program. And, and she loves that. Um, but I do think that for the vast majority of kids, especially in the elementary school ages, a Zoom-based learning day is really not developmentally appropriate. You know, we've all heard the recommendation of no more than two hours a day on screens. And then it sort of gave me whiplash to think about how quickly the recommendations had changed from don't be on a screen for more than two hours to you must be on a screen for six hours. Um, it was a, a bit mm. of a... Yeah, that was a quick turnaround. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So what do you say, because we, we talked a little bit about socializing for kids, but as you probably know, this is like a very good objection or question when you say, oh, I'm homeschooling my kids and I'm sure that you receive it 
a lot. Can kids get socialized outside of school? <laughs> yeah, so I think it's a really interesting question about socialization. Um, and I think it's a very common question for new beginners. So people who've been homeschooling for longer, I think are more likely to realize that socialization is not the problem and that the bigger problem is like, how do I get enough snacks to keep everybody going, <laughs> keep everyone going every day? Or, you know, how do I balance the needs of multiple kids who have very different interests or very different personalities? Um, but I think when people are first starting out, they're more likely to be concerned about socialization. And I think, you know, the research is pretty clear that humans do need interactions with other people for optimal health and well-being and having a lot of time socializing face-to-face is, is ideal for human beings. Um, of course, COVID has really gotten in the way of that right now. So that's a really big challenge for families right now. And I think that's important to recognize. Um, you know, you can really only do what you can while maintaining your family's safety and the safety of those around you, depending on what part of the world you're living in. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a non-COVID year, I think it's um, home socialization is really the easiest part of homeschooling. And in fact, I think it's great because um, the kids get to be with their friends. They get to collaborate on projects that they made up. They can get messy together. They can figure out how to run a project together. You know, if you've ever seen a group of like eight or nine-year-old kids who are deciding on the rules of a new game, you just can see the negotiation skills that they're learning, you know, things that can't really be taught in a book. And so I think kids, you know, kids naturally socialize when you bring them together and homeschoolers are always going to park days and enrichment programs and getting together with other families. Um, So I think that aspect of socialization is is very easy to come by. Um, But I think the other aspect of socialization that people are concerned about is this idea of socialization as the process of learning what's acceptable in a society. So Mm. It's not just about, hey, how are you going to see other people? It's how are you going to learn how to act? I think that's the aspect of socialization that more people are often concerned about is how are they going to learn how to follow instructions? Don't question things. Do what people tell you to do. Um, Try to be normal. You know, (laughs) how are they going to learn how to do those things? And I think that's the aspect of socialization that I tend to push back on a little bit is that I don't necessarily want my kids to be socialized into accepting those messages to the extent that, you know, I was in my growing up years in school. And I think um, they, I think it's good for them to learn that it's okay to make some waves and rock the boat sometimes. You know, obviously you want to do that in a productive way, but just kind of tiptoeing through life, being too concerned about upsetting people and respecting authority figures and not, um, you know, not breaking with the status quo, I think is, is not really the most important lesson that we can teach our Mm -hmm. kids. I think we can do a little bit better than that by, you know, making sure that they, they know how to stand up for what's important and, um, you know, be, be productive in society, but not just go with the flow. Yeah, I guess it's between obviously being polite and also listening to what you want to do. And yeah, yeah, it's good. I think it's a super important skill to get. And I think if you get it as a kid, it's even easier for the rest of your life because a lot of adults have to work on that now. (laughs) Exactly. It's a lifelong process for all of us. But if we don't have to, um, yeah, if we get a little bit of a head start in our childhoods, I think that is helpful. For sure. And so what can we find on your blog? 
Yeah, so I have a number of different topics that I talk about. So a lot of it is, um, it's really mostly parenting related. So I'm approaching parenting from kind of a peaceful parenting approach that involves kind of collaborative problem solving and empathy and really trying to work on long-term goals of reasoning and understanding other people resolving conflict in a productive way instead of kind of short-term goals of compliance. And so when my kids were younger, I think that really took the form of kind of an attachment parenting approach of like keeping them close. Mm -hmm. And then as they're getting a little bit older, um, it's changing forms in some ways. Um, so there's, I, I do write about you know, the peaceful parenting, attachment parenting related topics. And then I also have a mix of um, education related posts. So for example, I have one about uh, five myths that people believe about homeschooling or other other topics related to alternative education. So it's really mostly a mix of those two things. Mm, interesting. So it will be linked in the description box if you want to check it out. But so do you have any advice that you would like to share? Sure. Yeah. I think for those who are new to homeschooling, I think my my best advice would be to, you know, kind of go easy on yourself and go easy on your kids. You really don't need to recreate school at home. You really have a great opportunity to try out something new. I know, it, which can be very daunting. I'm actually reminded of last spring when teachers and professors had to suddenly transition to online learning. And it was kind of a scary thing because how are we going to recreate this face-to-face -face classroom online? And I think the answer is we weren't going to recreate it. Instead, we have to try something new. And I think the same is true for homeschoolers is that we can't necessarily do exactly what they were doing in schools, but we have a chance to try something new and it's a really cool opportunity. So I would encourage everybody to kind of think outside of the box a little bit and think about um, all of the opportunities that are available to you rather than things that are happening in schools that you cannot recreate hmm, makes sense good advice and also yeah it releases a lot of it releases a lot of pressure that you put on yourself on your kids and it's just not a good environment to to learn probably so yeah exactly amazing <laughs> well thank you so much for all of your tips it was a pleasure to have you on thank you it was great speaking with you <laughs> thank you thank you so much for listening Feel free to share if you think it might be helpful to someone you know. If you enjoyed this episode, then please make sure to write a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and subscribe if you haven't already. That's it for me. See you soon with the next episode. And in the meantime, have a lovely day. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.